Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. We are back on a Monday. And lo and behold, as I promised the last time and even the time before then, that this is the Justice League episode. The Zack Snyder Justice League deep dive review. And returning with me is the great Kev Michaels. I did say that we would be coming together and actually talk about this because we've been looking forward to this for quite a while. And I figured, you know what? Let today be the day that we can just talk endlessly, whatever we want, into this hour and a half long podcast episode. Yes, it is an hour and a half long. So like the four hour movie, if you had to take breaks in between that and you have to take breaks to ensure to give yourself a breather by all means give yourself a break with this it is an hour and a half hopefully it doesn't feel that long and don't worry we'll go into the usual structure of 30 45 minutes to an hour but i feel like today was a special occasion and the fact that we had just so much to cover within this episode alone i felt like you know what it was warranted it was earned and i'm glad i did it i'm glad i did it i'm glad we did it and i have no regrets whatsoever So today is the Justice League Snyder Cut Vision, the complete deep dive. If there's anything that we missed for whatever reason, by all means, let us know. And if you want to be a part of the podcast as well, if you want to, you know, have your vision or have your thoughts in anything you want to talk about, by all means, let me know. And we will schedule, we will do, we will get shit done. And I promise you that. So... Let me not beat around the bush anymore. Let's go into our episode. But first, like we always do about this time, let's get the shout-outs out of the way, shall we? And I want to give a special shout-out once again to Zack Snyder himself for creating this vision. I want to give the biggest shout-out to him for the simple reason that from the tragedy that he has dealt with and the problems that he's been dealing with for so many years, the fact that this complete vision was for him it was for his family and at the end of the movie it ended which me and Kev didn't really talk about because we completely forgot about this but the ending of the movie simply told for autumn and I'm pretty sure that was the name of his daughter so once again I want to give a shout out to Zack Snyder he has been through a lot been through so much as it is and even if there is no payoff, or if there's no Just Sleep 2, or if there's no planned sequels, I'm happy and I'm glad that your vision is finally met, that we finally got to see it, and that we enjoyed it, and that we love it. So thank you, Zack Snyder, for granting us this. It will not be in vain, and we will enjoy it, and we will do whatever we can to ensure that we appreciate you is basically what I'm trying to say. We appreciate you and everything that you've done. That's all we have for the shoutouts. Let me not bask in some depression type talk. <laughs> Behold, here is our podcast episode 
the Zack Snyder Justice League Deep Dive Review. That comes up right in a bit. We are here, we are back, we are united. It is episode one, what the hell is this episode today? 108, 109? I think I'm gonna go out on a whim and just say 108, but it doesn't matter because we are here to talk about the Zack Snyder's Justice League. And here is return a good friend, a diehard fan, someone that has been looking forward to this for months now, probably a lot more than I have, it's your friend and mine, Mr. Kev Michaels. Kev, what's up, man? How you doing? Nothing much, Mike. How you doing today? Uh, same old, same old thing. Just waking up, thinking to myself, you know what? Should I go to work? Nah, I'm going to do the podcast and then go to work. Because this is something that we need to talk about. This is something that we need to put time and effort into for the simple reason that Zack Snyder has done the same exact goddamn thing. Exactly right, man. It was exactly <laughs> That's just all I can say about it for right now because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Well, actually, this podcast episode, it's funny you say that because it is going to be full of spoilers for the simple reason that we've given people enough time. It's been what it released Thursday and five now it's been four, yeah, four days going on to five. So, hey, this podcast episode, just disclaimer for all you listeners. We're going to go full spoiler. So if you don't want to listen to anything, if you don't want anything spoiled, devote four hours into watching the movie, then come back and then listen to us. That is fair. So I'm giving a forewarning disclaimer, full spoilers. We're going to do a deep dive on Zack Snyder's Justice League. I can say if they're worried about the four hours, it's not a Lord of the Rings four hours. <laughs> you know, and I know I'm going to probably get flack on that for saying that, but but you know what I mean? For pacing wise, it seemed like it went fairly well. Everything paced perfectly, if you ask me. That's one of the main sections that I actually wanted to bring up the four hour versus two hour thing. But we're going to get to that in a little while. First and foremost, from another fan perspective, like what was you what was your immediate reaction after watching it during before? What was your main anticipation? Uh, I'll have to say I was roped in within the first five or six minutes mm -hmm. uh i i thought at that point it was a lot better or it, it, it just felt more cohesive into the snyderverse than the theatrical cut did um and i was just glued to the tv man just watching it just just watching the story unfold watching the characters um it, it was amazing were you at the point real quick that you had to turn off your phone and like silence all communication so that way you would not be bothered during the four hours? Or did you actually take a break during the four hours? <laughs> the first time I watched it, I ended up watching it um, throughout the entire day, just doing some things here and there on the house work. So I would get in, you know, half an hour here, hour there. So it was about four or five different blocks. I started it on Thursday morning around 930 I ended up finishing it around 6.30 that night just because I was, again, watching it between things I was doing. Oh, wow. So you actually took, like, there was so much going on where you actually took, like, breaks every now and then and everything else. I had to either return some phone calls for work, get some stuff for work done. So I couldn't take that four-hour block out. 
This weekend, though, it's past weekend, I did break it up into two segments. I watched half of it. I took a walk with my wife because it was so gorgeous outside. I didn't want to you know, miss any sunshine. And then I finished up the other half. So I did watch it in two, about two hour blocks. Well, if you remember, like originally this movie was supposed to be like, what, four, four, like, chat, one I, hour. Yes. Like yes. four, one hour mini series or something like that. Yes. And in the confines of a movie, it's actually better this way. And I was very, very surprised on how much, even though it is four hours, it didn't feel like four hours. No, it did not. I, I had one person ask me, so do you want that four hours back? I'm like, no, I thoroughly, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. <laughs> do you want the four hours back? Yeah. Well, I, I get it because some people would go to a theater and then they watch something for two and a half to three hours and you're like, oh my God, let's just get on with it already. But it didn't feel like that with no. this. It, it, it did not. It, I, was, I was very shocked. It was almost like how the pacing of, of Endgame was. A three-hour movie didn't feel like three hours. Hmm. Well, we're going to do some comparisons about that because I've been hearing a lot of people compare this. Well, oh, this movie is better than Endgame. Yeah. It's different than zone, Endgame. It's different. I don't know if it's better, but it's different. And sometimes different can be better. If so to speak, but eh, who knows? But I know we're going to jump around a little bit here, but let's get right down to it. How the fuck did we get here? Four years in the making, the original, the theatrical cut, the Joss Sweden cut, the, the Justice League, how some people like to call it. Four years ago, after the movie ended, I called it the Frankenstein creation. It was half Joss Sweden, half Zack Snyder. And even then, after the movie concluded, we're like, what the fuck is this shit? And then we thought to ourselves, okay, there has to be a Snyder Cut. We were, we as fans were begging for it. We as fans were, 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 were foaming at the mouth just for it to come out. And then, of course, you know, we know the history of Zack Snyder's personal tragedy, his daughter committing suicide, and then so many um, executives from Warner Brothers or Warner Max or whatever the fuck you want to call them, they were like, oh, we need to make it lighter because we want to, you know, go on par with the Avengers for Marvel, blah, blah, blah. And we did not think it even existed. And there were times where people would tell us that it didn't exist, that we should move on, that we should just go forward with our lives. That the Snyderverse is dead. Well, after seeing this movie, I don't want it to be dead. I want more. <laughs> I want more of the Snyderverse. Uh, to be honest, I love Ben Affleck as Batman. As an older Batman, Bruce Wayne, he pulls it off. He really does, doesn't he? I, I first saw him in the theatrical cut. And I'm like, wow, that's great casting. That's, that's where I picture and. A Bruce Wayne who's been in the business for 20 years, you know, who his his attitude, what he looks like, you know, his his demeanor, everything. The Batman versus Superman when he got casted the first time. Yes. You know, in my opinion, I feel like this movie actually did his justice very, very well, no pun. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Plenty of pun intended. They actually did him very, very good justice because if you remember from the Batman vs. Superman movie, he was all set on taking down Superman. Yes. He was all set on taking him down and he's been planning it for two years. And then the theatrical cut happened four years ago. And it's like they did a complete 180 on his character. And I didn't like that a lot where he was doing it out of guilt. In this version, they actually built up to it very, very well. 
Like there was reasoning in terms of why he agreed. If if you remember from the theatrical cut, it was his idea to bring back Superman. Yes. In this one, it's everyone's idea because they were all they all had the same uh, way of thinking to bring back Superman to be like, listen, if we need to stop this guy, the Steppenwolf guy, we need to do this. And what's what was one of my favorite moments in the entire film was either Cyborg or I believe it was Cyborg or Aquaman or someone else. They were having second thoughts about it. Because they started to get nightmare visions, if you remember. Uh, I think it was both. Aquaman at one point said, this is a bad idea. And Cyborg's like, no, the mother box is trying to stop me. Do Uh, I I continue? So Cyborg was seeing what was kind of going on, but they all agreed it was the best thing to do because these boxes were afraid of Superman, which is why they they weren't awake until he was dead. Spoiler number one. Yeah. <laughs> well, like we said, there's going to be major spoilers. I did like the beginning. I did like the beginning of the film that it actually began with the ending of Batman v Superman, the same way Batman v Superman began with the ending of Man of Steel. Exactly. So that I was like great that continuity. Well. That was great continuity that we saw from that aspect. Yes. Unlike the, the, um, Joss Whedon cut where you're you're immediately introduced to lipless Superman. Oh no, oh, do you do you agree? Oh. That was like the first <laughs> image of that movie. And here, here's a story. When I was watching that movie at home for the first time years ago, mm-hmm. um, my wife came in from I think a networking meeting. She didn't know anything about Just Lee. She looked at me, she's like, What's wrong with that guy's face? <laughs> Literally, she had no clue about the the controversy of that mustache. Oh, my God. Her response was, what's wrong with his face? So if if a regular person, somebody who isn't a fan of DC or Superman, notices that in a movie, how could the Hollywood executives and Warner Brothers say, this is okay to release? You want to know what pisses me off about that? You can find a college student or a high school student and pay him like maybe $500 uh, and he can use a program like, I don't know, not Pro Tools. What's the uh, uh, Power Cut Pro or some shit like that? Yeah. Final well, Cut Pro. Uh, Final Cut Pro. There we go. Shout out to that program. Final Cut Pro. You can pay him $500, and I promise you he can do a way better job than what the executives are getting paid millions of dollars for that. I saw a deep – was it a, a deep fake? Somebody did a deep fake of, of him without his mustache. It looked better. Oh, my God. It was like, guys, this is deep fake software. We can do this in hours versus what you guys did. And it looks so much better. Yeah, it was that was not that was probably the the worst part of the Joss Whedon cut. Now, like you, I kind of watched a little bit of the theatrical cut this weekend as well. It's kind of like just to mm-hmm. see what the differences were besides just the color palette for one. Oh, oh the contrast is night and day. I know. I know. Um do I, you know, which one do I like more? It depends. You know, I like them. I like the, the, the color palette of both of them. The reason why I'll say this up front, cause it, I had it, one of my talking points in my notes that if, if Warner brothers would have had Joss Whedon do the entire movie himself, it would have felt more like a whole movie. And in my opinion, the theatrical cut was DC doing a Marvel movie. If yes. that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes. It's the Frankenstein creation. Yes. Yep. It's, it's I, ba- Oh, go ahead. 
No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say it's point. basically the same thing as like what Pixar and um, Disney did a few years back when they when Pixar did Brave and Disney did did Wreck It Ralph. They kind of each did the other's style of movie. Hmm. That's kind of what the theatrical cut to me. It felt like a a Marvel version or a DC version of a Marvel movie with DC characters because of Joss Whedon's tone. Considering that Josh Sweden is the director for the Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron, I can understand why Warner Brothers thought, hey, this guy is stepping down. Let's bring in someone that has great success. But I talked about this many, many times where when you take two different directors that do not share any similarities whatsoever, there there's bound to be problems. And it's hard for me to not think that there must have been at least one person and maybe he or she could not speak up because, you know, contracts and they were afraid that if they say something, they're going to lose their job and whatever. But it's hard for me to think that not one person came up and be like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this or maybe we shouldn't do it this way. And it got me thinking, Why? Why did Josh Sweden make all these changes? Because we look at the entire Zack Snyder movie, four hours long, blah, 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 with everything, everything. And we got Zack Snyder's complete vision. And that's the best word that I can describe this movie. It's complete. Why did Josh Sweden make all these changes? I don't get it. Well, there is a lot that I didn't realize from the theatrical cut that Josh Sweden filmed new stuff. I mean, I've, I literally, um, there were only a couple scenes that I remember from the theatrical cut that went over to the Snyder cut, which means the original movie, the Frankenstein cut, as we call it, it had two different voices behind it. You know, as you mentioned, their styles are not the same. Their tones are not the same. Therefore, the Snyder cut just felt more cohesive in the Warner DC Snyderverse. It, it felt like it belonged with Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, even some Aquaman and the original Wonder Woman. If you remember, Zack Snyder actually did say that he refuses to use any of Joss Sweden's cuts in the complete version. Correct. So that's fascinating to me. Like he I did not want very- to. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I find it very, very honorable for a director to say, no, this is my vision. There's going to be no footage that he shot that's going to be in it. It, it. This is all me. Since we're talking a lot about Josh Sweden, I have to ask this. And before the listeners or the people get, you know, they, they flack us. But you know what? Hey, it's our opinion. It is what it is. Is there anything, anything you missed from Josh Sweden's version? That's in one of my notes here. Um, Steppenwolf. I liked the Snyder cut Steppenwolf character design. I did not like the the armor that he had. The, the, really, uh, the, the spiky armor. It was cool, but then in some of a lot of the scenes, it looked too CG. To where, if you go back to the Joss Whedon cut, he had more of like a warrior's armor. Mm. But I didn't like really the character design because it was too humanized. So you liked the look, but you didn't like the character. 
from Joss Whedon. Does, if that yes, 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 yes. Well, well, in terms of this one, you love the character. You didn't like the look. Correct. Okay. All right. That's that's fair. That's that's a fair assessment. Um, is there anything else? Um, other. I mean, other than that, no. I mean, you know, the differences of color palettes. I like both the color palettes that they each chose. Mm -hmm. So I can't really say I liked one over the other. They were just their different styles. So really, the only thing was the the Steppenwolf character design and and the actual armor that he had. Interesting, because I'm sure there are a lot of people that are be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Exactly, Steppenwolf's the bomb, man. It kind of it kind of reminded me of the um the the big armored robot that Thor thought fought in the first Thor movie that Loki sends to Earth. Yes, I remember that. Yes, it kind of had that. It kind of reminded me of that character, and to me, that looked too CG. It looked too much like CG versus it fit in the scene. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, let me put in my two cents. Uh, cool. What did I miss from Josh Sweden's cut? And I know Zack Snyder even said it did not make any sense. To me, it made perfect sense. Where Superman fought off the Justice League, right? Mm -hmm. And then Batman comes and then Superman goes to him and basically hands him <laughs> he puts his face in his hands he's like you won't let me live you won't let me die tell me do you bleed and that's the only thing that i missed from the just win cut because to me it's basically you know recapping what happened in batman v superman and right. of course this is this is Superman's way of expressing his hatred for Batman because let's face it, Batman at in some essence wanted to kill him. He was trying yep. to stop him. He was trying to kill him. So that was the only thing that I missed from the entire movie of Joss Whedon. Other than that, not not nothing else. <laughs> nothing <laughs> I else. agree with that. I um the the whole plot in the in the in the Whedon cut didn't make sense. You know, from the get go of the Snyder cut, I was like. Oh, I kind of know what's going on now. Versus like, what, what, what is happening? And that is one of the main aspects of this entire film. The, the cuts that happened from Joss Whedon till now, like the fact that this is a four-hour film, everything, the setup, the character development, the character progression, the motivations of each one, including Steppenwolf, it felt earned. It yes. felt warranted. And that is what makes this movie so much more on a high, grander scale than the Joss Sweden version. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it also makes you think to yourself, the four-hour versus the two-hour film. Now, like anything, there are pros and cons. We know this already. And we do know that in some aspects, no, in many aspects, when you push for a three-hour film in theaters, it's kind of pushing it because they're not going to have that many showings on a daily basis. Therefore, you're not going to be able to get your money back for the global box office. Everything right. is a business. We know this. It's one of the main reasons why they decided to compile it down to two hours. But the problem is when you do that, you take away so many of the important elements that actually helps us connect to the characters or the story or the plot lines or anything else for that matter. And you get what we get, what we got four years ago. Right. It was, it's basically saying the director Snyder planned this movie out to be a long epic superhero movie filmed the majority of it 
couldn't finish it. And now they're having another director take it and say, I need to make this, all this footage I filmed, these six, seven, whatever hours I filmed and cut it to a two hour movie. Like you mentioned, you are going to lose so much of the story because it wasn't planned to be a two hour movie. No, not once. And for a four hour film, it, it, I understand for a four hour film, it would not work in a theater. It, it just wouldn't because, you know, as you just said, we needed breaks. We needed, there are things that we have to do in our lives during the day and whatever. The four hour film would not work in theater, but for a streaming service, you have so much freedom to do whatever it is you want. Exactly. And now it makes me, not me, but more people, I'm sure it will make us more optimistic in terms of what complete versions that directors have when they release it in a streaming service like HBO Max or Disney Plus or Netflix or Hulu or whatever the hell it is. Amazon doesn't matter. And that's fascinating to me because, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of money, but in a retrospective, as long as your version is complete and if it's appreciated, then we can get behind that. Yes. I know we're jumping around in terms of, you know, what we thought about the backstory and everything else, but let's get into the heart and meat of the entire thing. I gotta ask you one question first. Yeah, the go aspect ahead. ratio, the four by three, because it was meant to be shown in an IMAX versus 16 by nine. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I actually appreciated it more. I liked you, it more. You did. Because it enabled me to actually watch the entire scene completely as okay. opposed to a 16 by nine. Cause 16 by nine, it's more, what, um, remind me again, a 16 by nine, that's more of the rectangle widescreen, it, right? It's a widescreen. Correct. It's what okay. most TVs and theaters show them in. I cannot stand in most cases, 16 by nine frame ratios, because to me, once those black bars come in, they're annoying as hell. And I understand for IMAX purposes, that's what's supposed to happen. And you want to see everything from a close-up view or most likely a wide shot type of view. Right. I don't like that in many films because those black bars are very, very distracting. But when you do everything from a four by three type of ratio, you can see everything clearly. And I liked it better in this version as opposed to the other. Okay. I was that's probably my, that's my two cents. I was probably the other way around. I mean, I'm like, okay, four by three. Let me think this. So it took me a minute to convince myself that my TV was an IMAX TV, <laughs> meaning the width of this, the actual width of the film was my letterbox width. It just went up twice as tall. Mm-hmm. I did miss watching the entire scene fold out, the actual, you know, the massive scope of it. But again, overall, it isn't a deal breaker. The four by three versus the 16 by nine is not a deal breaker. Okay. What I am excited about, I read this news last night, which the first time I watched it, I was like, this would make an awesome noir edition or a black and white edition. You know what? That it's funny you say that. Cause I was thinking the, sa- the same thing a while ago. Like I, try to try to elaborate on that. Um, like the Mad Max uh, Fury Road and the, and the Wolverine noir edition. They took the film. The directors wanted it to be black and white. They said it's going to look and feel more amazing in black and white. I read yesterday that they are putting out a Justice is Gray edition. 
a mm. black and white edition of the Snyder Cut. Hmm. I wonder if we're going to get that. Uh, they said yes. I it would be coming HBO Max from what I heard yesterday. All right. Well, more power to them then, and I'll be watching. I think it. I'll watch it. That'll be fantastic. Yeah. Some some noir version. Wasn't there a plan to have a Batman film, uh, more noir? Um, was it the new Batman? I, th- that, I, I uh, think the ben new Affleck? Batman. Um, uh, well, let me see. No, ben Affleck's right? was supposed to be the same character in the same universe. I believe the Robert Pattinson's Batman that's coming out, the Batman. That's more of a crime noir, from what I understand. Yes, but it's not really in black and white. No, it's um, not. Okay, okay, because I remembered um, before Ben Affleck stepped down and now is retaking up the mantle again of this version's Batman. I remember he said that he wanted to make this film or his film, his version, a little bit more darker than anything else. Yes. And it was supposed to be him against Deathstroke. And, oh, my God, I really want to see that on a live screen. I would, I would love to see Ben Affleck, Batman, Joe Maggiano's Deathstroke together. That that right there would be a fantastic movie. Oh, that'd be fucking awesome. That really would be. But I know we're jumping ahead so much a little bit. Um, let's get into the heart and soul of the entire film. The characters. Cyborg. C- cyborg. It, it is a cyborg story. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. With, um, I did not want to like it just because of 2020 and Ray Fisher, all of that went on. We talked about that in a couple couple podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really a cyborg story, and it was it was an amazing story of his journey. I was really conflicted because, like you just said, it's sometimes as people, it's hard for us to distinguish the character from the person or the art from the human, because when we see one we can't help but connect them to the other. Like, just a quick example, and this is probably a terrible analogy, but this is the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head. R. Kelly. The whole shit with him and the whole, you know, dating little girls and, you know, having sex with underage girls, whatever. But he's a good artist. He's a good R&B. He's a good artist. And I still liked, um, what was it? Trapped in the Closet? Some shit like that? You got me on there. (laughs) I I cannot help you on that one. Well, for the listeners that are listening to this, you kind of understand my point. Sometimes it's very hard for us to separate the art from the artist. And in our take, what we're talking about now with Ray Fisher, I have to admit, I was not really looking forward to his scenes because of everything that went on with him and Warner Max and Warner Media. Granted, he now has credibility on his side because Warner Media are is not really touching him right now for what we know. But I decided to put that aside and really focus on Cyborg the character. Yes. And it got me thinking, holy shit, this guy, and they even established it in the film. This guy has the capability of controlling the entire world digitally. He could literally destroy the entire world. He could fucking take everyone's money as much as he want he could be the most powerful person ever and destroy the world from the inside out but the one scene that i absolutely fucking loved was when he saw that young woman struggling 
with her child and he just took some funds and just deposited it into her account. That was heartfelt. That, oh, that yes. was gut-wrenching. I love that scene so much. It, it showed the, the Hartman, the character that he had. He just, you know, he wanted people to make it, to survive. He was a good-hearted, good-natured character. And that to me what was what, yeah, stumbling upon my words. That to me, what was missing from the Josh Sweden's cut, the fact that these characters are still heroes. And what what was that what was that quote that Morgan Freeman said in one of his films? You know, one act of random kindness at a time. Yes. And I feel like that was depicted very, very well in this movie. And Cyborg is definitely the heart and soul of this film. And he went through so much from his accident to him losing his mom and now his dad. And he even said it himself to to Wonder Woman, I have nothing. Let me do this. Yes. So, but again, that scene, that that was gut-wrenching. I I fucking love that scene. Oh, it 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 was a great scene. Like I said, his character, it won me over as well. So I was, I was, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to more again in this universe. I want more of the Snyderverse, man. The hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Apparently that's what's trending right now. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> hashtag awesome. restore the Snyderverse. So what was your take on the flash? I was just going to ask you that. Um, okay. I, you know what? The fact that he is the comic relief, but it works. He's not really I don't know why a lot of people kept comparing him to Peter Parker. I don't see that. I kind of had that the whole a youngest member type of mm-hmm. thing and the more of the lighthearted. You know, there he he was more Peter Parker in the Joss Whedon cut, I thought. Yes, versus versus the Snyder cut. He had a little bit of it there, but it's more of a little bit of a of a positive enthusiastic energy. And that's what this, you know, this group needs, especially from everyone that is serious from you have Aquaman that is like, you know, brood and just mm, the, oh. you know, macho and shit. And then you got Cyborg, probably the one that is the heart felt out of all of them. Wonder Woman and Batman, very, very serious in what they do. So right. the Flash definitely is the comic relief. And in this case, it worked for him. And I know, like I said, I know we're jumping around, but think about it this way dark side one like dark side destroyed the world and it it was up to the flash to turn everything back yes to normal this dude saved the world he actually this movie gave him more of what to do especially since he said he was like listen if i run really fast i, I you know t- time becomes all distorted and, and i don't know what's going to happen and, and this like that like you genuinely feel for this guy and of course, and he, let's talk about the scene with Iris West. I mean, wow. Talk, talk about a, a way to, to actually introduce the audience to The Flash, to Barry Allen. That, that was an amazing scene. The effects on there were outstanding. The little comedic elements were great. And it just showed how fast he actually is. When he enters the Speed Force. When he enters a speed force, saves Iris, gets back in, and he's and then the rest of the scene finishes. The glass finishes, finishes breaking everything. It was just all perfect, if you ask me. Tom Aglio, our good friend on Twitter, and I've spoken to him a few times. 
he said a few times, many times, we're good friends now. What the fuck am I talking about? He said that the Flash is his favorite character. And when I when I did this, um, remember just a few days ago where I did this thing on Twitter where I said I'm casting yes. every voice actor as the one, and you could definitely see him in that. But oh yes, what, but you're right, like that scene was great and it was a perfect introduction for him to the speed force to him actually once again saving another person's life right and of course when he looked at the hot dog i thought to myself oh well he loves the hot dog like he likes this woman okay that's that's kind of funny and no it was for the dogs for him I, to get the i was thinking he was going to start <laughs> munching it halfway through the scene uh you know uh, to be to be to like refuel himself because he burned so much energy but no it was for the dogs it was fantastic I love I love that. I really did. What other characters did you enjoy? I I cannot get enough of Arthur Curie, Aquaman, surfboarding that parademon down from the sky. <laughs> I that that to me is a fantastic scene and it plays well to his character, man. I I, I love Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Well, it definitely creamed a lot of women's panties when his movie came out a few years ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which I happen to enjoy quite a bit. That to me was the, the Iron Man of the DC universe, the, the underdog character, because as I grown up, the Aquaman that I knew was the green pants, yellow shirt. I only talked to animals that are to, to fish. Yeah. He was mostly played as a joke for many years. Exactly. So that's the Aquaman I knew Then they bring out this badass who is strong as, as can be. You know, dense as can be, fast as can be. I'm like, well, shit, this is a freaking Aquaman. He is the Aquaman. You know, um, it, it actually occurred to me. I understand that this was supposed to take place before his movie. Yes. And I know we're going to talk about the downsides or at least the downsides later on in the episode. But for me personally, I feel like Aquaman has actually done very well in not only this, but in many variations of who he is. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, they brought Volko back. Valco? Volko. Yes, Volko. Volko, yes. William Defoe's character. So that was a great introduction in terms of who he's supposed to be and what his destiny is supposed to be in terms of being the king of Atlantis, taking upon his mother's throne, and yada, yada. We get that. And the... It, it still bothers me in a way that he's drinking and he throws the glass in the uh, in the water where I'm like, that's not very safe. Oh, the littering. And what got me was he takes a big swig, leaves what? A shot or two still in the glass or, or still in the bottle and then throws <laughs> it away. I'm like, A, that's alcohol waste. B, that's littering. And how many shirts does Aquaman go through? Because he rips them off before he jumps in the water. I, I, I am willing to bet why a lot of money that that is purely fan service for oh, a lot of the female audience it is it, it it is it just makes in in a in a real world functionals why are you wasting a shirt and why are you taking off you're, you're wet already <laughs> well but yes it is it is purely fan service i i understand why well well let's look at this from the other perspective how do you don't you think it's going to be weird that he's going to be underwater with a shirt on and a sweater on i mean that's yeah, true true yeah, it's, it's going to look weird. We're not going to take him seriously. He's going to have a Bill Cosby sweater underwater. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> I can see it slows him down because he just absorbs so much water. <laughs> Dragging behind him three feet. Oh my god. Oh man. I now want to see that movie. <laughs> Holy shit. Um but yeah, Aquaman, I he's probably one of my favorites. Um, I, I love Ben Affleck's Batman. Alfred even kicks some ass in his movie, man. You Jeremy know, Jeremy Irons, man. I, I love him as an Alfred. He's probably the most humanist, humanistic. He's probably the most human out of everyone where, you know, he's still doing his Alfred duties or whatever, but he's actually talking to Bruce Wayne because like we know this already from comics, he raised him. Right. And he's talking to him. We was like, listen, well, what, what if this fails? Like, don't you have a contingency plan? And something, I, I know we're going to switch over a little bit, but something that I never thought the older Bruce Wayne would ever do. He's like, Faith, Alfred, Faith. Yes. Like, normally that is not Batman's character because Batman is very methodical. He's very intelligent. He's very, you know, he he's very by the book. He wants to make sure that it's contingencies have contingencies. Right. But it works in this film. It works where he's like, you know what? Let me take the leap of faith. Let me have faith in terms of putting all these guys together. We have our we have our differences, but we are united. And Alfred is like, all right, Master Bruce. All right, well, uh, Master Kent. Uh, you know, things like that. And I, I do. I did like Jeremy Irons, too. Oh, yeah. I, the, the whole age difference, though, between them. Is, is kind of odd for an Alfred, for Bruce Wayne, who, what would you say? He's in his late 40s in this? You know, is he supposed to be late 40s, 50s? What is Bruce Wayne's age in the Snyder Cut? I'm guessing late 40s, early 50s, because he did say he was working in Gotham for 20 years. For 20 in years. The comics. Right. When Batman started, when Bruce Wayne started as Batman, he's supposed to be in his early to mid 20s. So we'll say 45. Sure. Good, good. So then the age difference between a 45 and then Alfred, if he raised him since he was a kid. So, if, which means Alfred was probably 25 years old at the time he was, he was the butler or the, the caretaker for Bruce, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I've always envisioned him and because the comics have always portrayed him even to be older than that when he was younger, because he was the family's butler servant, so, um, service person. Which means there's a strong chance that he's like probably in his 60s, maybe more than that. I was thinking 60s, maybe early 70s. Huh. Well, you know, if you truly think about it, Nick Fury is in his. How old is Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, Jesus. Is in his 70s? And he still looks good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for some people, age is a number. That's yes. all it is. <laughs> I, you know, so, so Alfred even comes up there. And I, I actually completely forgot that J.K. Simmons was Commissioner Gordon. Oh, yes. He pops up like, oh, I, I forgot he was in this. It was awesome. It was awesome to see him as Commissioner Gordon again. He resembles the guy where he's like, listen, we've done this over and over. And, you know, let's bat signal. I'm going to talk to him and everything else. And right. I. I really liked, well, I can't say I liked it or didn't like it because we've only got one scene, but I love J.K. Simmons, one of my favorite actors of all time. So the fact that if he's going to be Commissioner Gordon, if they do restore the Snyderverse, I would love to see him back as Commissioner Gordon. I would too. 
but he's oh. playing double duty. You know, if, he, if he's True. Commissioner Gordon, he's also J. Jonah Jameson. True, but let's face it, that will always be J. Jonah Jameson. Yes, he will. He will. There, there, there's no other doubt in my mind. Now, I know we're jumping around in characters, but let's talk about the one character that to me stood out out of all of them. Okay. Steppenwolf. Yes. I loved this character. I really did. In the Joss Whedon verse where I remember um, watching Jeremy Johns, shout out to him, by the way. I remember watching Jeremy Johns review and he gave like a, uh, a little parody of Steppenwolf where he's like, mother, mother. <laughs> Mother, I want to return the box. He have an accent. I want to return the boxes, mother. I'm doing this for you, mother. And in <laughs> in this version, you actually like. How can I say this? You actually buy what he's doing. You actually not connect. I'm about to say connect. Connect is not the word. You actually know what the hell he's doing. Right. Trying to get into Darkseid's good graces. Whatever he did to piss off Darkseid fucked him up big time. Right. And he wants to control, he wants to take these mother boxes, unite them, so that way Darkseid can come back and conquer. Because that's what Darkseid is. He is a conqueror of worlds. So Steppenwolf, being what he is, even though he is a minion, and to me, he's kind of overshadowed by Darkseid's presence, it still works because we buy his motivation. We buy that he's trying to do whatever he can to get back into dark side's side. No pun intended. Plenty of pun intended. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the feel. I I love I love the um not the feel. I love the look. I know you said you didn't like it, but I did. I like the look. I love how menacing he was. I love the fact of how much of a badass he was when the arrow shot into him and then he just flexed his fucking muscles and the arrows just came out of him. That was yes. pretty cool. Um, I love how menacing he was. I love that he has a way of trying to uh, pinpoint people's, not, not pinpoint, but um, what, what, what was that little spider thing? That, I th it, from my understanding, it, it kind of went into their mind and actually read their mind yes. to find out what they were thinking, what their thoughts were, what they were hiding. Um, many movies have used that type of device before. Okay. Yeah, because I knew because I knew I thought I saw that before. I'm like, what the hell is that? It kind of reminded me of one of the Transformer movies. It had a creature similar to the same thing that would go into your mind and, and see where things are. I'm going to be honest with you. I have not seen any of, no, rephrase. I don't remember any of the Transformer films with the exception of Bumblebee. Bumblebee was a good movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember seeing the third one where there were so many explosions and Stanley Tucci was in it. And That was the fourth one. That, that one was horrible. The fourth and fifth ones were, in my opinion, horrible. The, okay, so it was the fourth one. See, I don't even remember. Like, yeah. like I... Jesus, I, I think I saw the third one where they replaced Megan Fox. Yes. Uh, and Shia LaBeouf. I, what, was it in the first movie where he kept on yelling out Optimus so many times? And I, these are so forgetful that these films are where there were so much explosions and shit like that. They were what they were. Big budget, tentpole, summer, blockbuster. I'm going to throw, throw my sensibilities to the wind and just have a good time. Oh, boy. 
How the fuck you do know, we talk about Transformers? All I don't know, but because of, of that creature that 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 um, that ah. Steppenwolf would 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 put on people, that little mechanical spider thing. Yes, 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 of course. That, that's why. Um, but yes, he was more menacing in the Snyder cut. Yes, he was, and that would that in a way made him so much of a grander presence. Yes. Where whenever he comes on screen, he was going to fuck shit up. And fuck shit up he did. Holy cow. Not until he met with Superman. And that was probably one of the most badass scenes that I've ever seen. Where I I get the Joss Whedon version. Well, oh, I like uh, truth. But also justice. justice as well. Yeah, yeah and that was- I, I, I get what he was trying to do. I get it. You know, Superman, he's, you know, truth, justice in the American way. And shit like that. I, I get it. But... This one was so much better. Talk about overpowered. Holy cow. Well, I remembered a lot of people in the Joss Sweden version. They were complaining and I can understand their complaints. The Justice League really didn't need to be there. All Superman had to do was just. Take care of business, right? And if they would have done it from the very beginning, then there would be no Justice League. It would just be Superman. He would save the day. In this one, every character actually has a purpose. Yes. Every character actually has something to do in this film, including Superman. Even though he's the most powerful out of all of them, there's a reason why he was brought in. And there's a reason why, of course, that that they decided to rec- they decided to resurrect him. And everything else. No character's potential was wasted in this film. Nope. And that's what's fascinating to me out of everything. It it had everybody, like you mentioned, had something to do. The smallest thing to do, their role was critical to the end game. I really wanted Darkseid to face off against them. Or at least face off against Superman. I would love a Snyder Snyder Justice League number two with Darkseid. The two characters I want to see on the big screen, Darkseid and Deathstroke. Yes, absolutely. And in a way, we kind of got a little bit of that in the epilogue, but we'll talk more about that in a bit. Darkseid's main focus and his main motivation is to get the anti-life equation. And for the listeners that have no idea what the hell that is or was very confused about that, basically put it this way. And maybe if someone wants to correct me on this, that's fine. Jot it into the comments below, whatever. The anti-life equation is a mathematical formula that in the comics that it has the, pot- uh, the potential to take away free will. If that makes any sense. It has yep. the potential to rewrite and take away free will. So in Darkseid's case, it makes sense because he is a conqueror of worlds, and if he possesses the anti-life equation, he can literally control anything and everything under his own whim. And no one would go against him. Absolutely no one. It kind of makes you think that in the nightmare versions that either Bruce Wayne was having or Cyborg was having, if you add a little bit of injustice the video game and a little bit of those nightmare scenes and add them together. And you know how they were saying Lois Lane is the key. Lois Lane is the key. Now I'm sure this is what Zack Snyder was going for, but this is just my opinion. So who knows if I'm absolutely right or absolutely wrong. 
somehow Lois Lane dies. And somehow Darkseid finally possesses the anti-life equation. Takes away Superman's free will, turns him into his mindless puppet. Add that with the with the loss of Lois Lane, and you get an evil Superman. Boom. Justice League two or three or whatever. The hell it is. I would that right there would be fan freaking tastic, because they have that huge carrot dangling now. You know, a Lois Lane's the key, or or whatever Bruce Wayne says. There's something more to it than that. It was um, never really explored in this film, but go ahead. No, it was it, it, it was dropped. The hints were dropped. So again, I, w- I, I would like to see them make do on those hints as a fan. I want to see that come back around conclusion. Superman 2 or the Man of Steel 2, if they ever do that, or is this the conclusion of the Henry Cavill Superman? Weren't there news that Henry Cavill actually, or Cavill, however you want to say it, Weren't there news that he actually came back as Superman and he's coming back as him? I read, or I've heard both yes and no on that. Yeah. I heard there's going to be a, was it a Superman reboot coming up? I think so. That was recently. I just read that. Who was doing that? Well, there was going to be a Superman reboot with the black Superman. And apparently a lot of people are trying to give the role to a Michael, Michael B. B. Jordan? Jordan. Yes. And I'm all for it. And I remember I remember one of my coworkers from a couple of years ago when this idea was actually brought up. It's not the first time that this happened where he was like, oh, Superman's supposed to be white. What's going on? Well, why, why are they whitewashing every uh, uh, not, not whitewashing? Oh, well, why are they doing this and blah, blah, blah? I'm like, dude, there was a black Superman in the comics. Yeah, it was in alternate comics, but it was in the comics nonetheless. So now, shut the hell up. Something I think DC and Warner Brothers should do to their DC extended universe, which this makes perfect sense. They could have all these different stories being told, um, you know, with different voices behind them and different character, different actors playing the characters. Because every time the comic book was rebooted with a new author, new writer, they kind of started back over and they put their spin on the movie, on the character. The same thing can happen in the DC Extended Universe. I, I loved the, the Suicide Squad. It had its faults, but it, w- it wasn't a bad movie. I liked the characters. I'm looking forward to James Gunn's Suicide Squad coming out. It's going to mm-hmm. be fantastic. But it's not to say that they can't bring back a Justice League 2 with the current stars, you know, the gal, the, the Ben Affleck's, the Henrys, but then also explore other Superman stories with a different actor being Superman. Don't you think that might convolute the story a little bit more? Like, I understand we have the multiverse, right? but with all of them going around the same time, don't you think that if people are not following up with it, that it might get lost in a lot of people's eyes and minds? It, it, it has that possibility, but I think if, if it was played right and actually scheduled correctly, it has a chance of potentially working, or at least to finish up some of these universes before they go on with uh, Flashpoint, if they're ever going to reboot the DCEU that way as well. I think they will, especially since we're getting like three Batmans within the same time. Right, which I think that's a great way to reboot and to recast your actors. I'm hoping that we get um, the fourth one, the the fourth Batman from Flashpoint Batman. Thomas oh, Wayne. Thomas Wayne. I, I want to see a drunk Thomas Wayne on screen. Holy crap. <laughs> I watched the anime years ago, the Flashpoint anime. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fantastic. If you haven't seen that, definitely I check have. it out. Yeah, I have seen it. 
it it was the first movie that literally kicks off the the Justice League animated universe. Okay. It it was it was supposed it was definitely the first one that kicked it off. So the fact that that movie is still really good, and I would love to see a realistic version of that. Now, the fact that they started off pretty much World War Three, right? So that was fascinating to me, and I enjoyed it a lot. I know yep. the listeners are here are like, "What the hell are you guys talking about?" Okay, let's go back to <laughs> the Snyder cut here. No, 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 no. I'm sure I'm, I'm not going to insult people's intelligence. You know, what 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 is wrong with me? And, and, insulting people's intelligence and then people automatically they'd be like yeah what the hell are you talking about but i'm sure they do because this thing's been going on for a while and we just finished the apocalypse war what last year and i gave my review on that and now i feel like seeing the movies all the way from the beginning till now that'd be pretty cool (laughs) that'd be pretty cool now in going to our final conclusion with the whole movie I want to talk about what it is that's next. Do you think that, well, let's fit. I know I'm stumbling again. I'm always doing that. We, the fans helped bring this to life. I know Zack Snyder did it, but it was our praise and our asking for us to be like, listen, we, we want you to create your vision. We we are dying to see this movie. Fuck Joss Whedon. Fuck the, all this other thing. We want to see you complete your vision. Do you think that now this movie, from the looks of it, is going to be very successful, especially with the amount of viewership that's going on, on HBO Max, that we're actually going to get the sequels that was promised, but so to speak, might never happen? Dude, it will be a Justice it. League 2 and 3. I don't think it'll happen. I would love to see at least a Justice League 2. Okay. I would I I, I personally want to see more in the Snyderverse. Mm-hmm. I because these characters um have they they are they are perfectly casted in my opinion. Um and they, and they work and the and the world is just phenomenal. Zack Snyder built an amazing world. He has. Yeah, there were some complications and some problems with Batman v Superman and whatnot, but I think he fully redeemed himself with this film. I think he did as well. And I really do hope that they do come up with Justice League 2 because, A, I want to see Deathstroke facing Batman. That's number one. Number two, with the nightmare scenes that, that were given to us, and now I want to see what happens next. Exactly. We've, we've been teased these nightmare scenes. I want to pay off. I kind of want to pay off. Speaking of payoffs, I've got a question for you. What's up? Jared Leto's Joker. Uh. <laughs> what about him? <laughs> what were your thoughts on his take this time around versus Suicide Squad? Well, I'm glad that they got rid of those fucking tattoos. Okay. That's that's number one. I'm I'm the the damaged on his forehead and the whole. Well, he was wearing gloves, but according to Zack Snyder, he actually helped get rid of those tattoos. So that that to me was too overdone. Like, can you imagine being the Joker? Okay, and and you like at the characteristics of a Joker, he's spontaneous, where he likes to do cause mayhem and whatever. And then you get Jared Little's Joker, where he's like. 
yes, uh, I would like to go to a tattoo parlor shop and I want them to write damage on my forehead. And uh, I want them to ensure that uh, I want them to write ha 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 all over my chest. And, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, I don't see the Joker doing that. I, I just don't see it. But anyway, I'm glad they got rid of the tattoos. What I thought about in the Snyderverse, the Justice League version, um, I don't know if I actually have an opinion on it. It's it's one of those moments where I'm like, all right, he's there. Okay. It, it doesn't do anything for me. And that's probably because I'm so much, I've fallen in love with Mark Hamill's animated Joker. I fall in love with, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker. And now I've gotten used to so much with so many other variations of Joker where Jared Leto's Joker, is it better than Suicide Squad? Maybe, but it's only one scene. Exactly. So it's not really enough for me to form an opinion on it. The same way with the Suicide Squad. I can watch that movie by itself and not really connect anything to it and just judge that movie by itself. There was not enough Joker in it for me to form an opinion. Now, there was a Joker in the comics where he is a mob boss, so it was a different take on him. But do I care much enough where he's like a terrible Joker or a good Joker or a bad Joker? I don't, it doesn't phase me, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't, I don't care enough for me to give an opinion on it. So when I saw him in the trailer, or the trailer pictures, because I don't really watch more than one trailer. When I saw him in that, and then I saw him in the nightmare scene, I thought, all right. It's pretty clear Batman needs allies. The world has gone to shit. All the other allies are gone. Everyone has gone down. Darkseid has won. Superman is evil. So it's pretty clear that Batman needs allies. Why else would Deathstroke be with him? Why else would Mera be outside of the ocean to be with him? You know what I mean? Yep. So it's pretty clear that Batman needed allies. And if the Joker in some way, whether he was using him as bait or not, or using him as like a distraction for Superman or whatever his intentions are, you know, I guess this is Zack Snyder's way of saying, listen, we know Jared Little's Joker was done injustice, again, another pun, within his own movie. Let's bring him in this one. Let's film new scenes and then let's just do it. I don't know. I I know I went on a little bit of a rant there, but what, what do you think? Um, we, we have, we have had a lot of incarnations of the Jokers seeing him in suicide squad as the mob boss tattoos. Um, it didn't really bother me too much seeing his character completely changed in, in the nightmare scene. Again, it could be an alternate reality. It could have been, you know, we don't know when suicide squad took place in the universe. I believe it took place after, um, Batman v Superman. You're right because Batman wasn't the beginning of it. Yes. Yes, you're right. Okay, yeah. so so it's still so having the Joker change. I was like a man. You know, I've read a lot of people online are saying, "Oh my God, the the interaction Batman Joker to die for best part of the movie." This, that, and the other. I was meh on it. Yeah, it's more like a all right, cool. He's in it. So it was a fan service bringing back the Joker to and then making him not the Suicide Squad Joker. You want to know what kind of bugged me a little bit? 
Zack Snyder actually admitted that this version of him is not canon, that the theatrical version is still canon. Wow. So that kind of bums me out a little bit. And, you know, to have something that's canon to continue on with the continuity of the storylines, I guess that, you know, this is more of a, all right, well, this is my vision. And this is something that I wanted to do for a while. And then here you go. And I hope it paid off. And this is kind of where I, I kind of want to talk about this, you know, in a retrospective type of way where when we have Zack Snyder's version, you know, pros and cons to everything. That nightmare scene, the epilogue scene, I have a mixed feeling about it. I love the scene. I love the look. Jared Little's Joker, eh, it is what it is. It kind of makes me think, are we getting a Justice League 2 or not? Exactly. And it kind of makes me think, okay, if there is a Justice League 2, or if they are planning it, or if they decide to restore the Snyderverse, then that scene does justice, another pun, that scene does justice for the fact that, okay, it's leading towards something. If not, and Zack Snyder knows this, if that scene was just put in at the last minute... If not, and we're not getting a sequel or a third movie or whatever, that scene is kind of pointless. I agree. I don't know. You know um, I want to pay off on that scene because they they teased the nightmare scene in multiple movies. Let's pay it off in another movie. Don't just have it hanging as an epilogue and then that's it. You know, I agree. What, yeah, I to me that that is a a way. So if they are planning it great for them to include it but if they're not they should have just not included like you said hmm only time will tell apparently i know it's it's full fucking sad it really is um i want to talk about the the last few moments i want to talk about here what did you dislike about the whole movie what i disliked about the whole movie it goes um with all of Zack snyder's movies i love them all they're all beautifully shot a lot of the scenes looked like they were filmed on a green screen. Mm-hmm. It, the characters had that glow. The backgrounds felt f- flat or the backgrounds had that glow. It just, they didn't look like in a real world. Some scenes did, some scenes did not. Okay. So you want more of the authentic feel, especially when it comes to like background and world settings and things I'm, like that. I'm a big fan of like real world looking settings. Like, like when they were, like when the bad guys were, were taking over that bank. You know, in the big Wonder Woman opening scene, when they were in the bank, going up the bank, the steps, that all was, you know, on on location or on a good set. But a lot of the scenes on Wonder Woman Island, again, it looked like a green screen, just the background, you know, for, for how the characters were, for how the characters were shot, how it was lit. To me, it, it kind of almost took me out of the story a little bit. Again, I had to go back in. I'm like, okay, this is Zack Snyder, 300. He gives it these real epic worlds. So we have to have that little bit of disbelief there. Yeah, he's a visual director. Exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. All right. I, I get to understand your point. And, and that, I think, some scenes played on maybe a little bit too long. I think there could have been a few more minutes shaved off the movie and not really um, you know, take anything out of it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, well, for four-hour film, we wanted to make sure that everything was put in. But yeah, exactly. there, there were a couple of things that, that could have been shaved down just a little bit. Just a little. 
I personally, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was just going to ask you what you thought. Um, let's see. There were two things. Number one, Lois Lane. I realized this in the, in the original theatrical cut. And I'm realizing it now. They really don't know what to do with her character. No, I feel like her character is potentially wasted in. Well, no, actually, no. Let me rephrase that. In the theatrical version, it seemed like she was just there. You know, in Batman v Superman, it, it seemed like she was just there, where she 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 was just a plot device in order to get from one thing to another. And I felt the same way in the theatrical version. In this one, she's basically expressing her grief over Superman's death, which is understandable. Yes. It's that is completely understandable. But I still feel like she could have done either way more or had her scenes to a minimum. I did like the scene where she is talking to Superman's mom, which turned out to be the Martian Manhunter, which, yes. which kind of bummed me out too. But I'm going to get to that in my you get second. Another part. tease. Are they going to pay it off? Exactly. Exactly. So I felt like Lois Lane her potential could have been so much better. And she was just there to like express her grief and, you know, I guess we're supposed to connect to the audience that, yeah, this is someone that we cared for a very long time and then they're gone. And then we have to give the grief that it's due, which I get it. It's understandable. It's a Zack Snyder film, whatever. And the reuniting scene with all three of them, Superman, his mom, and Lois, that was heartfelt. I enjoyed that. Yes. But the times before then, I didn't like it. I, I, I just felt, it just felt wasted. The Martian Manhunter, that felt wasteful to me. It, 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 felt, it felt like, oh, I, you better tack this on for the fans. Exactly. Like, it was more fan service than anything else. Because yes. was there a need for him to actually be in there? Where did he come from? Well, we know where he come from in terms of the hardcore comic book fans. But in the continuity of the films, where did he come from? How long was he in this? Like, if he was this colonel from Man of Steel, where was he before then? Like, how often has he blended in with Earth for so long? Right. You know, it's, it's, it's things like that. And then He's... when he turned out to be Superman's mom, uh, consoling Lois, I'm like, uh... Yeah, it, it just felt like, okay, they've got this guy. They're just going to, you know, the, the Martian Manhunter, they're not going to give him any backstory. Like you said, throw him in there, talk to Lois, convince her to, quote unquote, live again. Um, it could have been taken out and I wouldn't have missed it. Like to me, it would have been way better if that was his actual mom and not the Martian Manhunter. Yes. To console with Lois. It would have been way better because it would have had a much more of a, and I understand why they did that because they were trying to use, you know, him to like get Lois off her feet and, and get her to move forward with her life and, and accept the grief and accept the loss and just move forward and try to move on. I get that. But again, it would have been way more powerful if it was low, if it was actually Superman's mom, Martha Kent. Because it would have made that much more of a personal connection because if she's trying to move on and she wants her to move on too, it, again, it would have been much more powerful that way. 
I agree. You know, Lois invites her to stay. It's like, please stay here as long as you want. Oh, no, I've got a little place down by the diner. You know, again, shows that that Martha Kent's moving on. It, it, the, the scene would have been better if they would have just left it right there. Did you like when he came and talked to Bruce Wayne? No, I, I, I think they could have just eliminated his entire character from the movie. Yeah, it's, it's sad, but I, I agree. And I know a lot of fans will be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I get it. But again, his presence didn't do anything for me. What the hell did he do? <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't add anything what? to the plot. The story what? did nothing. Oh, boy. Maybe this was Zack Snyder's way of trying to be hopeful where he's like, okay, we know this doesn't make sense now, but you know, you, because of you fans, this Zack Snyder cut was not, it could not have been possible. Maybe if we tack this on, if we put this on, then we can have a sequel. It very well could have been, okay, these fans, these fans made it happen. Let's get the fan service of Martian Manhunter, you know, this, that, and the other, you know, just to put as much as we can to say thanks, fans. I guess. But, you know, we got what we got. It is what it is. And we got the complete version of the Zack Snyder cut. Something that we've been looking forward to for, well, actually, no, been asking for for quite a while, and we finally got it. Which is, is <laughs> which, which shows how much, you know, studios listen and, and how much I think studios should let the director put their vision out there. You know, you, you, a studio hires a director for a job. They trust the director for their vision of that story. You know, let them have it. Studio interference has always been one of the biggest major problems, especially when it comes to the execution of a film. We can go back to Spider-Man 3. We can go back to maybe Wonder Woman 1984, which I know you were not a fan of. We can go back to so many films. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping that this is a lesson for Warner and any studio to be like, listen, and like you just said, we hired you. We trust you. Do whatever you need to do. As long as you don't overstep the boundaries or you don't piss off any sponsors or anything else, or you don't, you know, uh, break any guidelines of the MPA, the Motion Pictures Association, that's fine. Do whatever it is you want. Right. You know, there are directors out there that just direct. The studio can, can direct them all they want. But if somebody has a vision, an actual true vision for something, let them have that vision. And that's it. And that's all we can say, unless you want to bring up any last minute things that uh, occur I'm, to you in some I'm way. I'm just going over my notes right now to make sure I covered, <laughs> we covered everything that I, I wanted to hit on. Um, like I said, this, this is a four hour film. There was just so much content to even, even compile all together. And it's will like, you watch well, it again. You know what? Yes. I think I will. Now, when I don't know, because to devote another four hours like nonstop, it's it's going to be a challenge because I don't want to take a two hour break or one hour break and then come back and then and then continue and then take a break again. I don't want to do that. I know I have stuff in my life to do, but if I'm going to watch this movie, I want it to be uninterrupted. Yes. And with my job and the voiceover and my girlfriend and everything else, that is hardly not the case. So. Maybe if I'm home alone at night and I'm like, you know what? I want to watch this film. I'm going to watch this film. But you, you want to know what's sad? 
you, you want to know what's really sad? I have still not watched Watchmen yet. And that's a Zack Snyder film. I've seen that one time. I want to watch it again because at the time I watched it, I, I didn't really understand or I didn't know where the story was going. I, I haven't watched it. I've, I've watched, I, I sat down, actually laid down, and I watched the first few minutes and then I fell asleep. How about Sucker Punch? I did watch it and I was confused as hell. That was one where I watched part of it, and I think I was confused. I'm like, I have to pick this up again. There is a a there's there is one out there that I want to watch it's from Zack Snyder. What is it called? It's it's about owls, owls, the legends of Zagul or something, something like that. That looks very interesting. If hmm. anybody has watched it out there, drop some notes in the comments. I would love to get your opinion on that. <laughs> How about you? Will you watch it again with um, any family members or? Um, my wife isn't a big DC fan. She likes the Marvel stuff uh, because it's more of a happier ending, mm-hmm. you know, per se, you know, for will. I will watch it again. I Like you, I want to make sure I have the four hours to watch it. Will I skip the, the epilogue? Maybe. So there's three and a half hours. Was that epilogue like 30 minutes? It was. It was about 20 minutes, I think. Oh, was it 20 minutes? Oh, I, th- it, it, I think so. It felt so long. You know what? Since I want to talk about con- I I know we're running to an hour, but you know what? It's my show, whatever. I want to talk about some controversy, all right? And now now I want to be controversial. Okay. And now I want I I want that for some something for people to think about. Do you want to see um Amber Heard return as Mira after all the bullshit that happened behind the scenes and everything with Johnny Depp and so on and so forth? Do you want her to return as Mira? Yes. Why? I think she plays a good Mira. I like her in that role. You know, um, all the stuff that actors do, what they do, you know, all the drama with Johnny Depp. I think it's going to hurt both their careers, which is Mm -hmm. pretty sad. I like Johnny Depp as an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would like to see her come back. You know, will she come back in Aquaman 2? I don't know. There's been talk of her of, of not bringing her back, but I would like to see her again. Mm. I'm gonna be on the other fence of that. I wanted to get recasted. Really, I I do. I I love redheaded characters. That's Same. that's just a per, that's just a personal preference. That that's just to me. I love redheaded characters, so I really do enjoy Mira's character, especially when she was in a way causing a lot of pain to Steppenwolf. Because for people that don't know, she has the ability to manipulate water. She was effing him up, man. Within everything. And she was legit killing him underwater. Yes. So that was pretty cool. I would love to see Mira come back. But I would rather see someone else to recast her because... (sighs) See, I feel like if I talk about this and if, if I'm... Now that I'm listening to myself say this... I feel like I'm now being part of the cancel culture and I'm trying my best to stay away from that because I hate the cancel culture. But if you give me one person to recast Mira, to recast Amber Heard, oh my God, who's... And I talk about this woman all the time from Game of Thrones, Daenerys. Emilia Clark. Okay. I think that would be perfect. 
the first of all, the context would be awesome. The mother of dragons, the queen of the seven kingdoms as the queen of Atlantis. And of course, she and Jason Momoa already have great chemistry. Right. So they would be a perfect match together. Yeah, she would be short, but she would fuck shit up underwater. Give me a dragon-like creature <laughs> underwater. <laughs> a dragon-like creature underwater. Have her control that shit. Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. But, you know, again, it's hard to separate the art from the artist. I know. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier where you have these actors and when they have so much shady shit behind the scenes, it gets you to the point where do you even want them back or can you separate that? And just let them do their thing. And this doesn't really contribute to a comic book thing. But have you seen any of the Jeepers Creepers movies? Yes. So Victor Salva, the guy that was the director for the first two films. I think he was the director for the third. I don't remember. But he got brought up on child molestation charges or something like that. I remember something like that. And... There were talks on, you know what, these films are not going to happen anymore because, you know, a director with a shady fucking background and holy shit, this is really fucking shady where it's like, all right, do we even want him back? And then I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit because I really enjoy those movies. Except the third one, it fucking sucked. It's a guilty pleasure. I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, should the should should we cancel the movies because the director had some bad, you know, dealings in his past? Well, I don't know. It about depends can- on the dealings. I, I don't know about canceling the movies. I'm I'm talking about maybe replacing the directors or the people that are playing them. I I would say replacing them, but a lot of times they they'll either cancel it. They'll say there's gonna be no more of these movies or or whatever. But very often do they. Um, can't you know, like change directors and and that's the director that's brought in has the same good vision you know the 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 voice behind the movie feels different mm-hmm. you know is is that good or bad um i don't agree with what the, like i said the bad directors do why they're replaced but if it's but if they're a good visionary and and they tell good stories it's not my call to say let's let them keep working yeah yeah, I guess you're right. I guess, in a way, I think the moral of the story is let the director, let the actors do what they please. And no matter how much we like it or not, it's not really our call, like you just said. It's not our call for us to either decide something or another, because at the end of the day, Warner or the director or the studio is going to do whatever the hell it is they want to do. It's all about money and saving face. That's all about money. <laughs> yep. It's all money. That should be a politician story. <laughs> I swear to God, it should be a politician being you know, like Joe Biden, Donald Trump, and whatever. Anyway, we have came over an hour on this podcast. It's now going. I think it's going close to an hour and a half. Jesus Christ! But we thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, this pretty much done with everything. If you love the Snyder verse. If you love the Josh Sweden verse, you know what? More power to you. I hope you enjoy everything back to back. We're hoping that, you know, the payoff sticks and the landing sticks. We want the second movie to come out, but if it's not going to happen, you know what? It's fine. Cause we got to see the complete version of the Zack Snyder 
Justice League, Snyder Cut, whatever the fuck you want to call it, we got to see it in its entirety. And yes, we before have. we go, before we go, I do a superhero quote or supervillain quote, depending on the number it is. And again, I don't remember if we're on episode 108 or 109 or something, but you know what? It doesn't matter. The best quote that I can honestly say from this movie, The Flash, you know what it is, right? Go tell me you know it. what it is. Come on, come on. Tell me you know what it is. Get a couple he, good ones. Where, where he saves the fucking world. I can't remember the actual quote he has. Make your own future. Make your own past. That's right. The Probably the best quote of the entire film. What is your reaction to that when you hear something like that, my friend? You have there. Really, it's like you're in control of your own destiny. Absolutely. There, there is nobody else telling you what to do. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. And we may not be able to change the past, but we can learn from it. And it'll dictate our future. You keep running. You keep moving motherfucking forward. That's right, man. One step after the other. One step after the other. Well, in this case, one running after the other. What? what, what <laughs> one running leap. <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't make you weird that how Flash like flails his arms whenever he runs. Um, I, I noticed that. And if he, he kind of throws his arms in front of him as he's running, which kind of in Siri could throw the speed force or could keep it going. It isn't a regular run. It's more of a, I'm throwing my arms, throwing the power out in front of me to get that speed going. That's, that's the takeaway I had from his running style. Oh man. Well, we're going to see him more for the flashpoint movie and hopefully we'll see other characters reprise their roles in future movies to come. Kev, I want to thank you so much for being a guest once again on this podcast. Mike, thanks for having me back again. I, I really enjoyed it. Always, always. And to all you listeners, once again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know over an hour was a lot, but it's like the Snyderverse. Take a break for a while and then come back and then finish the rest if you choose to. You know, if you like this podcast, if you like the episode, if you like what we like to say, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, hit us up. Voice of Garcia on Twitter and Instagram. And Kev, where can they find you? A voice ahead on Twitter. A voice ahead A on voice Twitter. Ahead. A voice ahead. You know what? That's, that's where we got to do. You got to be one step ahead. You got to be one voice ahead. Huh? Huh? I see what there I did there. There you go, man. I, I like see what I, I see did what there. Did. <laughs> <laughs> a voice ahead on Twitter. That's where you can find us. Give him a follow. Give him a subscribe. Subscribe to my channel. Subscribe to my channel. This is not YouTube. This is audio. <laughs> the hell am I talking about? Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, fucking iTunes. We are everywhere, my friends. We are everywhere. And remember, for all of the comic book content, whether it's games, shows, movies, whatever the case may be, if you hear about it and you read about it, we talk about it. Stay safe till next time. Kev, once again, thank you so much for everything. Thank you. All right. Be safe. Peace out. Peace out.